I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Det här är ett litet specialavsnitt. Jag sitter här i St. Helena med en fantastiskt kunnig kvinna som heter Julia Weinberg. Vi ska prata lite om hennes del i vinvärlden och hon har varit en av grunderna bakom appen Delectable som vi har tipsat om flera gånger i det här avsnittet. Så, so, hi Julia, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me Beatrice. Thank you for letting us stay at your wonderful home in St. Helena. My pleasure. So, can you please tell me a little bit about yourself and how you started up in the wine industry? I took um, I took a rather circuitous path to wine. And it, for me, really started, I think, when I was younger in restaurants. And I sort of grew up around restaurants in San Francisco, uh, which has always been a pretty vibrant restaurant scene. Um, when I was about 17, I started cooking in a restaurant that I was really interested in. And they happened to have a, a great wine program. And... It was at that point, I think it was a um, Domaine Tempier Bandol that I remember drinking. So it was probably like a 94 or something. <laughs> like, oh, I wish I could have that now. Um, but I do remember that wine so well as being something that was explained to me as having a significance beyond like some generic alcoholic juice in the bottle that it trans that it reflected a place and that it was made by people and that really stuck with me so fast forward through many different sort of careers and and lifetimes in a way um to I guess it was about 2006 or 2007 and I had some friends that were living in Napa I I was working in doing other things um and I I met a guy Of <laughs> and he happened to be a winemaker um, and and he happened to be in this sort of Napa winemaking world that is now very vibrant and getting a lot stronger um, and was then still very vibrant, but really, really small. Um, one of the our first dates was he took me to a dinner party of a friend of his who is Abe Scherner and he is well known for being quite an avant-garde winemaker and doing a lot of untraditional things. His project is called the Scolium Project. When you say avant-garde, uh, could you please explain a little bit? Yeah, to listeners? happy to. So I think that, you know, we're 
most people are pretty accustomed to to seeing some familiar names on a bottle. In the U.S., the convention is to name with the variety of grape, since region is not a specific, you know, there's no region to variety connection in the same way as with European wines. Um, and, and then also, I think there's sort of these traditional grapes. So to give you an example of weird things that Abe does is one of his most famous wines. The name of the wine is The Prince and His Cave. Okay. <laughs> there is no indication anywhere on the bottle uh, what grape it is. It happens to be Sauvignon Blanc, and it happens to be Sauvignon Blanc that's fermented on its skins. So it's an orange wine. Yeah. Um, a little bit more common now and definitely far more unique in 2006, 2007. Yeah. So that's just one example of, of stuff that he does that's untraditional. Um, he never... He never names the the grape. He only names the vineyard and has a fantastical name for the wine. Um, but he also has an approach that is quite different. He's a former philosophy professor, mm-hmm. ancient philosophy professor. So um, he he worked for a man named John Kongsgaard, who is very well known um, in Napa, probably for his own wine label, Kongsgaard, which yeah, is famous, famous in Sweden too. Okay, actually, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. very cool. Um, So John Kongsgaard's philosophy in particular around Chardonnay was this idea of death and resurrection and that you have to let the wine go into this sort of this this place of death so that it can resurrect and that that's where the real beauty is with Chardonnay and to be sort of hands off. And Abe takes that to the extreme. Uh, He likes to do in the winery what he calls punishing the wine oh you know that sounds scary it's almost very sadistic (laughs) it's almost it's very extreme and very sadistic winemaking um and it it can make for some pretty extreme but also really compelling wines what does punishing mean in a wine term (laughs) or for Abe at least punishing might mean putting barrels out in the blazing hot sun for for weeks okay and it's a terrifying thing to do you think like oh my God, that's the equivalent of letting your child eat glass, you know? (laughs) Um, And somehow that kind of extremism can work out well for him. It doesn't always. And when it doesn't, he is perfectly happy to destroy wine, as in like it will never be bottled and see the light of day. Um, But I think what ends up happening, because he goes to this place that many are afraid to go to, that he's able to reveal a lot of flavors that are uncommon or in wine and are new um, to many palates. So, you know, there's there's different sort of processes and different flavors that can come out because of fermentation, because of aging. And he has, um, he's, he's very adventurous with letting those come out, put it that way. But I get the sense, I've only been here for four days, but a lot of people are pushing the boundaries and want to do new stuff and it's more like the new generation um, Napa. Absolutely. I think, you know, Abe is is on one extreme and that extreme seemed further away when, you know, I, I worked harvest. I ended up working harvest for him in 2010 um, because I was very, I was just really excited about how he was all in, you mm. know, he's like fearless. He seems fearless in his winemaking and, I like that sort of fearlessness in people, and I wanted to I wanted to learn more from the fearlessness than I did from 
the winemaking almost. But of course I wanted to learn about the winemaking too. I just didn't know that I was going to end up in wine at that point. Could you, but, when we were just on the subject of the this uh, new generation exactly. winemakers, could you recommend like three to watch producers or three if you are interested in trying these wines and maybe you haven't tried them yet? Yeah. Like one or two like producers that you need to start here. <laughs> I think two two people that, that I really respect and I'm really, really excited about um, – are Steve Mathiasen and his wines. He's really a farmer first, and I'd say that fearlessness for him really um, shows in what he's planting in California. And he's planted so many different varieties and is sort of showing things in California wine that I think people didn't necessarily know could exist. Um, so he does a white blend that is Ribola Giala, Tokai Friulano, Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc all as a blend together and it's really this beautiful showcase of of kind of like that that place in California that he's at so there's sunshine but there's also this sort of curiosity of and dynamics of really um sort of unique varieties so Steve Mathiasen is is definitely a leader right now um and then even the more traditional fearless people as well. Kathy Corson, I think, is is fantastic. And what's really interesting about her as a winemaker, and she makes Cabernet Sauvignon in Napa Valley. So that doesn't necessarily feel that adventurous. However, she has always stuck to her guns and her style. And what I think you find in her wines is that they are truly timeless. She has never been swayed by trend. And so her, her wines are leaner. They're definitely... Um, incredibly age-worthy. And unlike maybe some other Napa Cabernets that went to an overly ripe style, and the downside of that is that they don't last very long, she has always stayed true. Very elegant stuff. Her, her wines always taste like her wines, and they're beautiful and aromatic and really capture, I think, the essence of Cabernet Sauvignon from California. So those are two people that I think are really worthwhile for different reasons. And these are wines as well that uh, you could access in Sweden. So awesome. they, it's good. Um, so if we start to talk a little bit about Delectable yeah. uh, and how it how has it been to be a part of this very, you can say, avant-garde app as well? And when did it start? And how was the idea like... Who who came came up with it, yeah. and how was the process in the start? The so the app started in in a hush hush beta mm-hmm. way in April of two thousand twelve. Okay, and you know obviously there was a small team of us that were working on the app to build it and figure out okay what would be really useful in wine and how can how can we build something amazing. So the founder of Delectable his name is Alex Fishman and he actually comes from a big data background. He doesn't he's learned so much more about wine now, but at the point of starting Delectable and the reason why he started Delectable is because he felt really intimidated by wine. Okay. And that how do I understand what this is? How do I um how do I learn about new things? How do I get exposed to great wines, you know, outside of the framework of being in a restaurant with a sommelier who's guiding you towards something interesting? 
And how do I even know that I can trust that so long? Yeah. <laughs> no. But wine can, can be intimidating <laughs> in many ways because all those complicated appellations and all... Yeah, the wine world is so huge. So, And I think there's been a problem historically of in wine that only a few people's opinions matter. And what I love is that what we see now is that No, have your own opinion. What you like is what you like, and let's help try to find something that is right for you. It's a very, wine is very personal, and it should be very personal, and I really don't think that there should be right and wrong answers. Um, maybe maybe for a wine professional, there needs to be right and wrong answers. They need to understand the difference of a properly made wine and a flawed wine, but for a consumer, really the only thing you should care about is whether or not you like it. Exactly. Um, so... So that idea of like, how can we help consumers is how we started Delectable. And it was pretty natural because a lot of people have smartphones that have cameras and this, you know, taking photos of bottles of wine was already happening, but they sort of turned in, at least for my phone in particular, there was this black hole of wine label photos of things that I wanted to remember, things that were special, but I wasn't doing anything with them. And so we thought, okay, let's leverage this fact that people are taking photos um, of bottles of wine. And why are they doing it? What do they want to remember? They probably want to be able to remember what they had and record that experience. And um, and they probably want to learn a little bit more about it. So it might be like, I'm taking a photo so I can remember to investigate this a little bit more. So we built some image recognition technology and also a pretty... Um, a pretty extensive data set for wine. So reconciling all of the wines in the world and how they might be the same wine, but named differently in different places. That was a pretty big data challenge. Yeah. Um, and then paired to that, there's this instant or this image recognition technology that can take a photo, analyze it and figure out what wine it is. And if other people have posted it and this, The, the social element came a little bit later. It came in November, um, when, which was really November of 2012, which was really our public launch. Yeah. Um, that you could see what other people think about a wine and you can see what other people are drinking. And I think this is something that's so important is that historically, the only wines you were ever going to learn about were the wines in front of you. And so if you live in a country or in a town, or in anywhere, you're you're probably only exposed to what even makes it into that market, right? And exactly. so your your sort of wine world view is either limited or big by just what you've happened to come across. And I think one thing that is so powerful and so exciting to me is to be able to have that that view into everywhere, you know, that that you in Sweden can see what a winemaker in California is drinking or a sommelier in New York or a winemaker in Australia is drinking is really exciting to see those commonalities. I get I get very excited when I see, oh, this winemaker that I love from South Africa is drinking the same wine as me in California. Yeah. Like there's that really lovely connection and coming together that I think is one thing that people tend to love about wine. Um, but it's also a great learning opportunity that there is so much out there to explore and it's a sort of never ending um, adventure in wine and to be able to learn from people who you know 
have a certain expertise as well and a certain experience is really exciting. I mentioned Steve Mathiasen and Kathy Corison, you know, they both use delectable a lot. And it's really fun for me to see what they are drinking and what they think about the wines that they are drinking and to be able to tell the story in my mind when I'm trying their wine of, oh, I wonder if those wines they're showing on delectable influenced Mm -hmm. this wine. You know, there's a constant yeah. narrative and I think the winemaking process too that's that's always changing as we have new experiences either with, you know, the wines that someone's making themselves or with other wines that they try. Has the app developed a lot since the beginning? I mean, now you, you rate the wine in Smiley, Sell Smiley or Happy Smiley, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was that the meaning from the beginning that you should rate the wine so you can remember remember them for your own sake or was the community always part of the bigger picture or how did how did the how do you say the seed yeah uh, how did it develop was it it's it's changed so much over time and looking at if i were to look at the first version of the app it's so basic in comparison so you know the first that first idea of rate your enjoyment of it that is stayed yeah. um i think because people are very used to some sort of point system mm-hmm. there's the smiley faces tied together with a a point system as well um but we still hope that it's people rating their experience and yeah. enjoyment of the wine um the other things that were a pretty big challenge but i think really rewarding challenges to fulfill um was adding in information about the wine. So in the early days, the very first version, it didn't tell you the region and the grape. It just showed you the name of the wine. So now when you post a photo, it tells you the producer or the winery name, the name of the cuvee um, or the wine name, where it's from, the region, and the grapes in it. And that is so fascinating and helpful and in particular i love the the region explorer yeah. so you can be you can really see okay where am i geographically in the wine world here um i think i tend to think that geography is one of the most important things to pay attention to if you know that you love pinot noir um pinot noir is so varied depending on where it's from that it's actually probably more helpful to know that you love burgundy or a particular section of burgundy and you could adventure within that region and it will tell you a lot more in particular in europe it's Mm -hmm. very indicative you know the u.s is um much more lawless when it comes to wine so it's really fun But there are sort of less markers to know, oh, I love Pinot Noir from California. Oh, my God, people make it in so many different styles. There's no guidelines. And I think that's where, as well, something like Delectable is really helpful if you know that you love um, Literai, California Pinot Noirs, which is a, you know, people will say that he's very um, old old world in his winemaking techniques, at least. Um, you know, it's good to see, okay, I can I can see that, what these other people who love literary are drinking and kind yeah. of get recommendations from people whose taste you have some overlap with. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So could you tell the listeners a little bit about what different people are using the app or for what reasons? Because there's many ways to use it. Yeah, it's... It's really, it's really fun to see, you know, from a data and like metrics standpoint of how people are using the app, because there are people who there's so many features that you can really choose your, your own path with it. So some people simply use it to record, to keep a scrapbook of the wines that they're drinking. And, you know, we do some cool things like providing some analysis so you can sort and search through your wines very very easily so it's a great scrapbook to remember the wines Mm -hmm. that you've had for there's a good number of people for for whom that's just a very personal thing they don't follow anyone they don't do really anything else you could even keep all of those private if you wanted to so you don't even have to share it with the world at all um there's a that having a private option was really important to us. Um, And then there's people who may not post a lot of wines, but they are really there to sort of get, maybe get inspired and just explore. Um, You know, so there's also, we curate a list of different categories of wine. So I think, you know, that that they change every week. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're guest curated by one of our, wine professionals who use the app I'll ask them hey you know uh, John Bonet who is a wine writer and wrote a book called the new California wine when it was for fourth of July I asked him to do an American rebels um, feed which was really fun so another way in a more editorial direction to learn about some wines Um, in the U.S. we have purchasing available we don't Mm -hmm. have it in Europe um, yet even though we don't have it in Europe, yeah. could you just explain a little bit how it works? Yeah. Here? So in in the U.S., at least, if you see that there's a price available on the wine, you can click on it to buy it. It's really, really dangerously easy buying. And then from our end, what we do is we match up that person with the best source for the wine. Right. And what that means in terms of the matching up is we have to deal a lot with legals and and also geography, like if you, if we could ship a wine 
um, a shorter distance that's often preferred, especially in like summer or mm. winter. Um, but we certainly always go get the wine straight from the producer, direct that sale to the producer if possible. So it's so. like the best price or it's like a price runner? Yeah, it's um, it's a competitive price. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of issue in the U.S. with discounting wine. Sure. Um, and one of the big problems there is that a lot of times the reason why a wine is discounted is it it may be at some point in the its journey to be discounted was not that well cared for. And so we prefer to go with reliable sources that care about provenance. Sure. Um, you know, if a, if a bottle of wine is arriving to you in the mail, it's already a scary thing yeah. sometimes. Um, so we want to limit any any issues that may have happened. Understandable. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, there will come a day when <laughs> we're available for purchasing in Sweden as yeah. well. Um But we see we see so many different things with it. The one other really fun aspect of it is from the social avenue that that you can have a conversation with people that you know you maybe maybe know or maybe have never met around this shared love of wine, and maybe it's a specific wine, or maybe you know it's a category of wine, or even like yeah. I mentioned, you know, just to stick with continuity that Steve Mathiasen and Kathy Corison. You can chat with them essentially in the app. So I think that community side of it is is really exciting as well. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a really lovely idea because wine brings people together when yeah. we drink wine together, but sometimes we can't. So then you can just use like the comments function or it's it, like Facebook for wine. Absolutely. <laughs> and as a, a friend of mine always says, she was what she loves about the size and shape of a bottle of wine for a 750 milliliter bottle. And she said, you know, this, it's just a little too big to drink by yourself, yeah. right? That wine is meant for sharing. And I definitely believe in that. And that when we think about why wine is important um, in this world, one of the reasons is that really unique ability to bring people together, um, food and wine. I, I firmly believe that you know, all coming to the table together is still the best thing that we can do, in particular in a, the speedy lives that we live now. Julia, thank you very much for your introduction to Delectable. It was a fantastic pleasure. to have you on the show. So if anyone wants to follow you on um, Delectable, it's yes. your name, Julia Weinberg, right? Yes, yes. You can so search people for can name. track what you're drinking. Exactly. <laughs> all the time. So thank you very much. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.